Hi, everybody. It's Derek, and this is your Foreign Exchanges World News Roundup for Tuesday, December 6th, 2022. Uh, there are a few anniversaries on December 5th, 1757. Uh, this is the anniversary of the Battle of Luthen, which is in uh, Silesia, or was in Silesia when it was uh, part of Prussia. It's now part of Poland. Uh, but at this battle, King uh, Prussian King Frederick II, or Frederick the Great, if you want to be a little more poetic about it, uh, won one of his most impressive military victories, of really a very impressive military career. Uh, he defeated an Austrian army under Prince Charles Alexander of Lorraine that was about twice the size of the Prussian army, and not only beat it, but really uh, routed it. About a third of the 66,000-man Austrian army was either killed, wounded, or captured. Uh, the Prussian victory uh, allowed them to move on to besiege the city of Breslau, uh, which fell uh, shortly thereafter, left, which left Prussia um, basically victorious. There was still a little bit of fighting left to be done, but essentially victorious in the Third Silesian War, uh, which was one of the many constituent conflicts that made up the larger Seven Years' War. Uh, on December, also on December fifth, nineteen forty-one, the Red Army under under Georgi Zhukov uh, began a major counteroffensive against the Nazi Wehrmacht uh, in the Battle of Moscow. The combination of the Soviet military and a brutally cold Russian winter crippled the German forces. Uh, the offensive ended on January seventh, nineteen forty-two, with the exhausted Red Army uh, having driven the Nazis back some hundred and fifty miles. Uh, from the Soviet capital, and of course there was only more driving the Nazis back to come. Uh, on December 6th, in the year 1240, the, a Mongol army sacked the city of Kiev. Uh, this was uh, part of a Mongol invasion uh, of kind of the, the Eurasian steppe, the sort of Russian steppe lands and into Eastern Europe. Uh, it is often marked as the the final fall or final collapse uh, of Kievan Rus as, an, as a political entity or the Rus Federation uh, as a political entity. That's a bit like uh, when people say that uh, the uh, defeat of the Romans by Odoacer in, in 476 uh, marks the fall of the Western Roman Empire. It, it is true in a, in a very specific sense, but it doesn't tell uh, the whole story. Kievan Rus was falling apart well before, uh, for a variety of reasons, was falling apart well before uh, the Mongol sack, which just sort of put the final uh, exclamation point on that collapse. Uh, anyway, there's a piece on the, the, the site about it if you want to read more about the siege. Uh, also on December 6, 1904, in his State of the Union message to Congress, U.S. President Teddy Roosevelt issued his corollary to the Monroe Doctrine. Uh, the Roosevelt Corollary took the mostly defensive, at least in principle, Monroe Doctrine, which warned against European intervention in the Western Hemisphere, and made it offensive, stipulating that while European nations should butt out, the United States was entitled, uh, and I'm quoting from, from Teddy here, to the exercise of an international police power, end quote, in the Americas. Uh, this remained U.S. policy until Franklin Roosevelt introduced the good neighbor policy, uh, which was a brief, uh, 
shining interlude in the relationship between the United States uh, and the rest of the Western Hemisphere. Uh, once it was over, the corollary really became the basis of U.S. policy toward Latin America throughout much of the Cold War. Uh, I'm sure the the people of Latin America were just thrilled by that. You're welcome, everybody. Uh, you know, happy to happy to help. Uh, let's move on to the news in Syria. The Syrian government, uh, starting in the Middle East, of course, in Syria, the Syrian government plans to close public agencies on December 11th and December 18th in an effort to conserve, conserve its strained fuel reserves. Syria has been hit by severe fuel shortages in recent weeks, forcing public transit shutdowns, uh, economic uh, difficulties, and helping uh, to spark Sunday's violent protest. You may remember we, we talked about this in Sunday's newsletter in Sueda province in southern Syria. Iran is sending 3 million barrels of oil to Syria per month to try and help uh, with this problem, but that's not nearly enough. And domestic oil production, of course, is limited because the U.S. and its proxy, the Syrian Democratic Forces, are still squatting on some of Syria's or on most of Syria's oil fields uh, in the eastern part of the country, and sanctions make it difficult for Syria to import fuel legally. Uh, in Israel, Palestine, Al Jazeera has formally petitioned the International Criminal Court to investigate the death of Shireen Abu Akleh, uh, their veteran correspondent who was killed in the West Bank city of Jenin back in May, almost certainly by Israeli security forces. Several independent investigations have concluded as such and have further suggested that her killing may have been deliberate. An investigation by the Israeli military found that Abu Akleh was probably shot by Israeli forces, but it was an accident. They didn't mean to do it. Uh, so the Israelis have uh, refused to open a criminal investigation. The U.S. government is also investigating the shooting since Abu Akleh was a U.S. citizen, but the Israeli government has refused to cooperate. If the Israelis won't cooperate with a U.S. investigation, you can only imagine uh, the slim chance that they'll cooperate with the International Criminal Court, whose uh, legitimacy they don't really recognize. Uh, in the United Arab Emirates, there's a new brief, and I, I won't uh, get into any uh, – reading any part of it, but there's a new brief from the Quincy Institute's Ben Freeman uh, that outlines the uh, extensive network uh, of lobbying that the UAE has put together uh, in the United States uh, based on uh, analyzing Foreign Agent Registration Act documents uh, filed by organizations that did work on behalf of the UAE or UAE-related clients. Um, there were some. There were uh, just a couple of the findings. Uh, 25 organizations were registered under Farah to work on behalf of the UAE or on U of Emirati clients in 2020 and 2021. Uh, they made uh, 10,765 contacts on behalf of their clients uh, who paid over $64 million to the firms that were representing them. So um, lots of, of fun stuff here. Uh, those firms, by the way, the registered uh, Farah agents working on behalf of the UAE uh, reported making over $1.65 million in political contributions, uh, more than half a million going to members of Congress that those firms contacted on behalf of their Emirati clients. I'm sure it was all very simple and believable and above board. Uh, still fascinating reading. Uh, in Saudi Arabia, uh, a U.S. District Court judge on Tuesday dismissed a lawsuit filed against Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman over the 2018 murder of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Uh, there was really no other possible outcome here after the Biden administration recommended last month that MBS should enjoy sovereign immunity due to his recent and probably not coincidental appointment as Saudi Prime Minister. 
Uh, in Asia, uh, starting in Afghanistan, a bombing in northern Afghanistan's Balkh province killed at least seven people on Tuesday. Uh, the attack targeted a bus carrying oil workers and left another six people wounded. Uh, elsewhere, at least six people were wounded in an explosion in the city of Jalalabad. As far as I know, there's been no claim of responsibility in the Balkh incident, and the cause of the Jalalabad explosion has yet to be determined. So it may actually not have been uh, a bomb, though, given that it's Afghanistan and uh, Jalalabad uh, has seen Islamic State activity in the past. I think you have to at least consider the possibility that it was. Uh, in Thailand, at least three rail workers were killed and four more wounded on Tuesday when a bomb went off at Thailand's Khlong Ngai train station. I'm sorry if I'm, I'm mangling that. Uh, my apologies. Uh, which is located near the country's border with Malaysia. Uh, they were repairing a portion of track that had been damaged in another attack over the weekend. Much of southern Thailand is still in the grips of a low-level, fairly sporadic rebellion by that region's ethnic Malay population, which does occasionally manifest uh, in incidents like this. Uh, In Mongolia, despite the bitterly cold weather, I think it was minus 21 Celsius, uh, thousands of people turned out in Ulaanbaatar for a second straight day on Monday, protesting over high inflation, economic struggles, and allegations of significant corruption. Uh, Several high-ranking officials, including the head of Mongolia's state-owned coal mining company, are apparently under investigation for embezzlement, having potentially made off with billions of dollars. Uh, Some number of legislators are also alleged to have profited from corrupt oil dealings. Uh, These protests did turn violent at one point as demonstrators tried to break into government offices, uh, but I haven't seen any indication of casualties. In North Korea, the North Korean military has for two days running fired multiple artillery rounds into the maritime buffer zone separating its territorial waters from South Korea's. Uh, The shelling is in response to ongoing U.S.-South Korean artillery drills, which are apparently taking place inland uh, near the demilitarized zone, close enough to irk uh, the North Koreans at least. Uh, In Oceania, uh, Australia specifically, the Biden administration on Tuesday hosted Australian Defense Minister Richard Marles and Foreign Minister Penny Wong for the 32nd Annual Australia-U.S. Ministerial Conference, or AUSMIN, if you prefer. Uh, The highlight seems to have been U.S. Defense Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin's announcement that the Pentagon will, quote, increase rotations of air, land, and sea forces to Australia, end quote. Uh, He didn't go into detail, but he did also extend an invitation for the Japanese military, or I mean its self-defense forces, uh, to, quote, integrate into our force posture initiatives in Australia, end quote. This is all very kind of vague sounding language, but any stepped up U.S. military presence in in Australia is obviously about China, though the parties never come right right out and say that because the first rule of new Cold War is you don't talk about new Cold War. Uh, In Africa, uh, in Nigeria, unknown gunmen attacked a village in northern Nigeria's Sokoto state on Monday, killing at least six people, including four police officers. Uh, Police may have been the intended target uh, in retaliation for an incident last week in which they apparently ran off an attempted bandit raid in a nearby district, killing some unknown number uh, of attackers. 
In Ethiopia, the capital of that country's war-torn Tigray region, Mekela, was reconnected to Ethiopia's power grid on Tuesday for the first time in over a year. Uh, this is according to the Ethiopian State Power Company. Restoring power and communications to Tigray is one of the stipulations of the peace deal the Ethiopian government and the Tigray People's Liberation Front signed last month. Parts of that agreement are already fraying, chiefly with respect to the TPLF's disarmament uh, and the presence of Eritrean and Amharan military forces in Tigray. Uh, but the deal as a whole, uh, obviously, with this announcement, still appears to be holding steady. Uh, in Somalia, Somali security forces and local militias were reportedly able to liberate the town of Adan Yabal in the Middle Shabela region uh, from, uh, from Ashabab on Monday. Uh, national and local forces have been engaged in a months-long campaign to drive Ashabab out of parts of Hershabela state, which includes Middle Shabela, uh, in which they uh, claim as uh, part of this campaign that they've killed over 700 militants. Uh, Adan Yabal was by some account a major Ashabab base, and yet, according to the Somalis, they were able to take it without a fight, which could suggest, uh, you know, given that we're we've seen this months long campaign, that maybe Ashabab is reeling a little bit. I don't know, maybe you know, in in disarray uh, a bit after losing uh, that many fighters and facing this kind of sustained pressure. Uh, in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, the M23 militia issued a statement on Tuesday saying that it is, quote, ready to start disengagement and withdraw, end quote, from territories it's occupied since resuming its insurgency in earnest back in March. Uh, the group's spokesperson, Lawrence Kanyuka, expressed interest in, quote, direct dialogue with the DRC government in order to find a lasting solution to the root causes of the conflict, end quote. There's been no co response, as far as I know, from Congolese officials who are already engaged in talks with a wide array of armed factions under the mediation of the East African Community Bloc. M23 has not been involved in that process, but nevertheless seems to have curtailed its advance toward Goma, the capital of North Kivu province, uh, amid threats of an EAC military intervention. Most recently, Congolese officials accused uh, M23 of killing at least 272 civilians. Uh, we talked about this in yesterday's newsletter uh, in the town of Kishishe uh, in an incident last week. This is an allegation that the militia denies, although there was fighting uh, in that vicinity. So, uh, And there are have been other third-party confirmation of civilian casualties, though, uh, from the UN in particular, though they haven't talked about uh, exactly how many, or, or talked to, talk about numbers. Uh, in South Africa, a Sudanese businessman named Hazim Mustafa has come forward to potentially clear up one of the central questions surrounding South African President Cyril Ramaphosa's alleged attempt to cover up a 2020 robbery at his farmhouse. Among other things, it's believed the robbers made off with cash that was hidden in a sofa, which is interesting, uh, in an amount somewhere between $500,000 and $5 million. One possible implication of that little detail is that Ramaphosa is engaged in some sort of corruption, and he tried to cover up the robbery for that reason, to keep uh, information about said corruption from becoming public. Ramaphosa has maintained that the cash came from a legitimate legal cattle sale, and now Mustafa uh, is saying that he indeed paid Ramaphosa around $580,000 for cattle. He apparently never received the cattle. He's looking for a refund. Uh, I don't no, I, I think COVID may have interfered with the delivery or something like that. Uh, anyway, Ramaphosa has uh, also apparently produced uh, a receipt 
that may corroborate Mustafa's story, assuming, of course, that the receipt is legitimate. Uh, You may recall, we talked about this in the newsletter last Wednesday, a panel suggested last week that Ramaphosa should face impeachment over the cover-up allegation. Uh, But the African National Congress decided over the weekend, we talked about this in Sunday's newsletter, to stand behind him. Uh, This lessens the chance, greatly lessens, I would say, the chances of an impeachment vote in Parliament, given the ANC's control of that body. Uh, This new revelation could further uh, bolster Ramaphosa's position uh, heading into ANC leadership elections later this month. In Europe, uh, starting in Russia, the new European Union G7 Russian oil price cap took effect on Monday, and at least one impact is already visible in the line of tankers that are now stuck in Turkish waters while authorities try to determine whether or not they're properly insured. Turkey, of course, controls access to and from the Black Sea through the Bosphorus and Dardanelles Straits, and they don't apparently let oil tankers through unless they can prove that they're insured. Uh, The issue of insurance takes on new relevance under this cap is any company that insures uh, a Russian oil shipment that's priced above the $60 cap limit uh, could find itself facing legal repercussions. Global oil prices were up slightly on Tuesday as the cap raised the possibility that Russia could cut back its oil exports and thus cut into global supplies. And as analysts believe in an unre- on a somewhat unrelated note that the Chinese government's relaxation of its zero COVID policy could increase global oil demand. In the war in Ukraine, for a second straight day, an apparent Ukrainian drone strike targeted an airfield well inside of Russia on Tuesday. You may remember from yesterday's roundup, the Ukrainians targeted two air bases inside of Russia uh, with drones. Uh, This time, the target was a facility in Russia's Kursk Oblast, part of which caught fire after the strike hit an oil storage tank. There don't appear to have been any casualties, uh, but the past two days have revealed a somewhat shocking weakness in Russian air defenses uh, that already uh, appears to be generating criticism from within the Russian pro-war commentator community. Uh, As far as anyone can tell, the Ukrainians are carrying out these long-range attacks with Soviet-era reconnaissance drones that have been refitted with warheads to turn them into missiles. Very old, very slow, uh, very easily detected missiles that can't really be maneuvered very much uh, to try to dodge anti-aircraft fire or hide from air defense systems. And so there's really no obvious reason why the Russian military isn't able uh, to shoot these things down, or at least isn't shooting them down. Uh, it's, It's a puzzler. I would say. Um, Elsewhere, the Ukrainians and Russians concluded another prisoner swap on Tuesday, this time with 60 POWs being released on each side. Uh, In Hungary, the Hungarian government vetoed the EU's proposed 18 billion euro Ukraine aid package on Tuesday. Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban has tried to offer what I guess would be a principled rationale for blocking this aid, uh, arguing that EU member states should negotiate individual bilateral aid deals with Kyiv rather than the EU forcing all the members to participate in a unified response. Uh, But there really is a strong likelihood that he's – this isn't so much about principle 
as it's about Orban holding this aid package hostage as a way to force the EU to release the billions of euros in Hungarian aid that EU officials have frozen over corruption allegations. Uh, It sounds like the other 26 EU members may try to move forward on the aid package without Hungary, uh, but they'll have to figure out how to do that under a different legal mechanism, and it's probably going to take them some time uh, to cobble that together. Uh, In the Americas, in Argentina, an Argentine court on Tuesday convicted Vice President Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner uh, on embezzlement charges dating back to her 2007 to 2015 stint as president. She's been sentenced as a result to six years in prison. Fernandez de Kirchner can appeal the verdict. Uh, She does enjoy legal immunity so long as she's holding public office, though following the ruling, she'd said via social media that she will not run for any office in next year's election, uh, which would presumably strip her of that immunity. Uh, Her supporters, uh, who have been warning of unrest should this verdict go against her, uh, poured into the streets of Buenos Aires following the verdict's announcement. This could be the start of uh, some some larger unrest uh, to come, but we'll have to wait and see. In Colombia, at least six Colombian soldiers were killed uh, in a clash with dissident ex-revolutionary armed forces of Colombia or FARC fighters in Colombia's Cauca state, according to a statement released by the Colombian army on Tuesday. It's unclear which ex-FARC faction was involved. These are groups that reject the 2016 uh, peace deal that the main FARC body uh, reached with the Colombian government. Uh, It's also unclear whether it was the same one that killed three Colombian soldiers uh, in the same region over the weekend. Uh, Colombian President Gustavo Petro's government has engaged in preliminary talks about, you know, uh, talks about talks, really, with a couple of the largest ex-FARC factions as part of his overall effort to end Colombia's many armed insurgencies. Uh, But he stressed on Tuesday that military action will continue against any militant or criminal group that doesn't demonstrate what he called a will to negotiate. Uh, So, you know, clearly... uh, FARC, the, the FARC factions are going to continue to be uh, a problem, I suspect, for Petro for some time. In Dominica, uh, Prime Minister Roosevelt Skerritt and his Dominica Labor Party are expected to retain control of that country's House of Assembly in the wake of a snap election on Tuesday. The opposition United Workers Party and Dominica Freedom Party boycotted the vote to push their demand for electoral reforms, leaving DLP candidates running unopposed in several districts. In Jamaica, Prime Minister Andrew Holness imposed a state of emergency on Tuesday in response to high levels of gang violence that have contributed to Jamaica's very high murder rate. Uh, Jamaican authorities have recorded 1,421 murders so far this year and a population of around 2.8 million people. Uh, By comparison, Jamaica saw 1,375 murders all of last year, and the city of Chicago, which is roughly equivalent in population and is routinely characterized as just like a massive open-air shooting gallery, people constantly dodging bullets uh, in in many corners of U.S. media, has recorded 643 murders so far this year. So for 1,421, uh, pretty high rate of, uh, of murders. Uh, the state of emergency covers several parts of Kingston, the capital of Jamaica, and six of the country's 14 parishes. 
Uh, the thing is here, there's a, there is reason to be cautious about this. Past Jamaican states of emergency uh, have drawn heavy criticism from human rights activists for abuses. Uh, there are fears that authorities will once again abuse the emergency powers that they've now been granted. Uh, so something to keep an eye on moving forward. Uh, and in the United States, finally, uh, President Chinese President Xi Jinping uh, is heading to Saudi Arabia this week in a visit that should demonstrate Beijing's increasing importance in the geopolitics of the Middle East. His visit, as Spencer Ackerman notes in his Forever, War newslet- Forever Wars newsletter, uh, has prompted a somewhat petulant reaction from U.S. officials that reveals more than a little bit about how Washington uh, kind of views international relations uh, in the new Cold War. And I'll read you just a couple of paragraphs here. In essence, the U.S. is taking a – this is Spencer's writing now. The U.S. is taking a walled garden approach to regional security. Within the logic of great power competition, which I personally do not subscribe to, it's an advantageous strategy that leverages the major military advantage the United States currently enjoys. It's unrivaled network of alliances measured in bases, ports, and intelligence access around the world. Uh, Colin Call, the Deputy Defense Secretary, WUS Defense Secretary, defined the U.S. posture in its great power competition era as a, quote, coalition of coalitions, something that both suits uh, Joe Biden's longstanding multilateralism and maneuvers competition onto terrain where China currently is woefully outmatched. That locks U.S. military clients into long-term security arrangements, boxing out China as Beijing seeks to project power commensurate with its global economic strength. Kahl pitched that all as a virtue. China, to say nothing of Russia, seeks transactional relationships while the U.S. is trying to put a ring on it. Quote, turning to Beijing or Moscow for help with Tehran is a fool's errand, as they're allied with Iran. It's less likely to work with Russia now than at any time in the past, end quote, Kahl noted, referencing Russia's newfound reliance on Iranian drones as its military shits the bed in Ukraine. Uh, Spencer really, uh, I think, uh, is, is digging into something important here, so I would recommend that you check out the piece. Uh, essentially, it's, you know, the Biden administration is telling allies in the Middle East, and this includes Israel and the Saudis and the Gulf states, um, you can engage with China economically, that's fine, but not when it comes to security. We draw the line, uh, and since you're all more or less reliant on U.S. security platforms, military platforms, arms platforms, uh, you belong to us, basically, when it comes to military matters. Uh, As Spencer notes, however, there are many points at which Uh, The economic sphere and the military sphere overlap. You can't just separate them out uh, and bracket one off the way it seems like the Biden administration is trying to do. And so far, when they have overlapped, the Biden administration of the U.S. uh, does not seem terribly inclined to be flexible about uh, allowing these countries to pursue closer relations with China. And so, uh, yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. And again, uh, you know, you don't talk about new Cold War. That's the first rule of new Cold War. Uh, but it is going on, and it's um, these are all things to to keep an eye on because this could wind up defining global politics for for some time to come. On that note, uh, that's it for us tonight. Uh, as always, thank you for reading and or listening to the newsletter. Uh, thanks to those of you who are subscribed uh, to foreign exchanges. 
uh, especially those of you who have made the jump to becoming paid subscribers. Uh, I hope everybody got a chance to to check out Mike Brennis's introductory piece, uh, which I sent out on Monday. Uh, it's up at the the site if you want to check it out. But he's uh, he's going to be joining us as a new correspondent uh, covering military industrial complex, restraint in U.S. foreign policy, lots of uh, weighty topics. And uh, you know this is this is the kind of thing I, I can't do uh, without your support. So if you uh, are thinking about it, if you're on the fence, if you're considering uh, whether to subscribe, um, not only will you get a lot more stuff if you do, uh, but you'll be helping to ensure that I can keep doing this newsletter and keep doing, for that matter, American Prestige, uh, because it all starts here for me. So uh, thank you for your support. uh, And uh, until next time, take care, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.